Welcome to the Cambridge Judge Business School Podcast Centre. Morale, Definitions, Dimensions and Measurement is the title of Dr. Ben Hardy's thesis exploring what he calls a term commonly used in both business and society. However, the concept of morale is poorly defined and understood. Dr. Hardy, a research associate in neuroscience, endocrinology and finance at the Cambridge Judge Business School, has been researching this subject for four years. His approach to the concept of morale has been different and focused on exploring the topic as it's understood by individuals within a workforce. This, he says, is a reversal from much research where a phenomenon is identified, defined, measured and then promulgated. Has it taken him closer to a clearer definition of morale? Positive morale, high morale, seems to be a a positive emotion that's connected to enthusiasm, it's connected to a will to be active, energetic, in the pursuit of activities and goals. Low morale, by contrast, is is quite a negative experience, and people feel lethargic, depressed, they don't want to do anything, there's no kind of uh, looking to the future. So defining morale is difficult, but it seems to be a sort of emotional or affective state that is to do with enthusiasm, hope, and motivation and drive, really. Did you find that motivation and drive are missing in lots of instances, in lots of companies? I had quite a broad spectrum of companies in the qualitative stage of the research, so when we were interviewing, ranging for some that had really extremely high morale and some that had very, very low. And thinking of the ones that really lacked motivation and drive, it seemed to be that um, there was really no kind of future, nothing to look forward to. Things weren't ever going to get any better. They weren't enjoying the state they were in currently and there didn't seem to be any particular possibility of it changing. That was a big problem, that there was no... I mean, the the key question with morale is, do I look forward to getting out of bed in the morning? And if there's no motivational drive, then the answer to that is no. Which is the principal driver? Is Is it that success is driven by high morale, or high morale, or improved morale, is driven by success? I think the two aren't necessarily coupled that tightly. You can have high morale in organisations that are currently unsuccessful. An example would have been one of the, uh, the manufacturing companies I looked at, which was coming out of a very difficult patch where they'd actually threatened to close the plant. Morale was pretty high because they'd got a plan and they knew where they were going and they were achieving, but they weren't actually being financially successful at that time. So we need to be a bit careful about the terms of success. Equally, there are other organisations that were, by many conventional measures, being successful, but because the workforce didn't feel that they were valued, didn't feel that there was a kind of direction for them, didn't feel what they were doing had meaning, then actually they didn't have particularly high morale. And so I think morale is a useful precursor for success, but it doesn't necessarily mean the two are hand in hand. Equally, to be honest, if you are being successful and everyone is praising you for it and you've got a a sense of direction, then I think morale can be high then as well, certainly. I think it's hard to be to be unsuccessful and have no direction and have high morale. So the two are sort of coupled, but not tightly. You raise an interesting point there, and it's this this kind of appreciation point, uh, the well done or thank you. Did you discover in your research that that is not happening or that that people responded much more efficiently and and enthusiastically when they were thanked for doing something? Yeah, it's interesting. It seemed to be a... uh, 
continuous theme throughout many, many organisations was actually a lack of praise and people just saying well done. And so what tended to happen was they were just expected to do their job and actually the process of doing their job didn't merit any thanks. There was a really nice example in one of the plants I was in. One of the engineers complained, say, well, he didn't complain. He just said, I don't have to say thank you or well done to my staff. Their paycheck at the end of the month, that's, that's well done. And in the next breath, he turned around and said, of course, part of the problem is no one ever says well done to me. And so he was, on the one hand, complaining that no one said well done to him, but then wasn't reasonably going to do that to any of his um, any of the people he manages, his reports. I think the, the difficulty is with how you say well done, a kind of mechanical, reflexive, oh, well done, doesn't really achieve anything. It has to be meaningful, it has to be relevant to what the person has actually achieved and show some sort of understanding that they have achieved something and a sort of recognition of them as a person. But just a mechanical well done does have some effect, but it's far more effective if it's personalised and relevant to the situation. In your paper, you talk about the economic reasons for the study of morale. What kind of conclusions do you draw from that? The data is actually quite—they're quite difficult to get hold of. Um, there's a lot of qualitative evidence suggesting that morale will have a significant economic impact. This is from people talking about their workload. I mean, one an electrical engineer very, offered a very nice definition where he said, "You know, when I look at morale and I have low morale, I do stuff in series. When I have high morale, I do it in parallel." It's very much this feeling that if I've got high morale and I've got five minutes to do, oh, I could just nip and do this. Whereas if I've got low, low morale, I'll just sit there and wait for the next task to kind of come down the track. Also, there are some interesting examples about quality in one of the manufacturing plants. People made interesting comments. So a part would be coming down the line. And if it was just on tolerance, so it was a bit 50-50 whether it was actually good enough. They said if they've got low morale, they'll just go, oh, fine, it'll probably be all right. If they've got high morale, they're like, no, actually, we need to get this right, we'll send it back, we'll have it reworked. And so those kinds of things, they're very difficult to kind of quantify, except in a gross level at, at, at output. But it did. people did seem to think that morale had an effect on quality of work, on quantity of work, also on things like communication. If you've got high morale, you're more likely to be communicative. Low morale, you're more withdrawn into yourself. And the other thing was on planning. If you've got high morale, you tend to look at longer time horizons, you look forward... Whereas if you have low morale, you're very much cocooned and working on the here and now, and you don't really plan. That was the sort of qualitative data. The quantitative data, morale correlated with intention to leave. So if you um, have high morale, you're much less likely to leave the company. That's kind of, that's fairly uh, uncontroversial, I would think, as a statement. But it's the first time really much empirical evidence has been brought forth to kind of show that. There are other things that were interesting. It did seem to correlate with appraisal performance at one of the organisations I looked at, but not at another. And I don't quite know what to make of that. That needs a bit more unpacking. And then looking at some data from a large-scale manufacturing survey in uh, Australia and New Zealand, it did seem that, that morale was correlated with profitability, with quality of work and cash flow. So there are some hard metrics there. Again, in the interest of fairness, there is a slight correlation causality problem there that because of the data was cross-sectional, we can't really tell whether it was the good performance that improved morale or the good morale that improved performance. And what we really need are longitudinal studies going forward over time to actually try and unpick that and see what the relationship between the two is. But certainly on the basis of the qualitative data, it seems reasonably clear that morale impacts performance 
although there is probably then a loop back the other way. Your research has taken over four years. Has the recession impacted on that? Or do you think, if it hadn't been for the recession, the picture would have been very different? What I tried to do... No, it's an excellent point, because obviously much of the qualitative research was done during the kind of happy time of 2007, just before um, we hit the buffers. And what I tried to do was get behind the superficial uh, or or transient signs of the economy, really. Um, So... It was trying not just to look at pay and sort of material things, but more at something underlying on how the, how things like pay impacted individuals. So an example would be if you ask people what would improve their morale, they almost invariably say, oh, pay me more. If you actually ask them about a time when they had high morale, out of over 200 people that I interviewed you know, at some length, only, I think, three actually mentioned pay. So when they had high morale, pay wasn't the issue. The reason they had high morale was because the job was interesting, they felt what they were doing was worthwhile, they felt they were making progress, these kinds of things. So what I tried to do was produce an understanding of morale that's sort of independent of the economic cycle. The components of the economic cycle will act on the mechanism and vary the level of morale, but the mechanism itself will remain relatively unchanged. You've untangled quite a lot... But you've also left some questions unanswered, so I guess that that's the next stage. Yeah, absolutely. So the unanswered questions really are how different things impact for different people on the on the three dimensions of morale. That's that's one sort of set of questions because it would be useful to go be able to go out to people and say, oh, if you do this, it will do that. My suspicion is we'll never actually get there because it's a social situation and things change the whole time. So as soon as you implement one thing the whole system shifts slightly and it may not the same medicine may not necessarily work the next time round which is one of the reasons why actually employing kind of cookie cutter management techniques so oh this worked at this company therefore it'll work it out doesn't necessarily work the second thing i think that would be interesting to do is actually much tighter link morale to performance and i spent a lot of time trying to get into companies to do this but wasn't terribly successful largely because i think People are worried that you'll find that morale isn't as good as they think and they'd rather that the problem wasn't acknowledged than actually do something about it. Or alternatively, because I think, to be fair, my definition at the time that I was approaching them probably wasn't as tight as it could have been. But it would be very nice to be able to look at morale levels over a period of years, two or three years, and then actually look at performance performance measured either through independent appraisals, through productivity. It really depends on the nature of the organisation concerned. But I think that would be the absolute thing that would get people to sit up and take notice if you can put a hard financial number on it. My suspicion is that morale probably has an effect. It feels like it makes a difference of around 10 to 20% to productivity, however you choose to measure that, from your workforce. Dr Ben Hardy, thank you. Listening to this podcast produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School.